How's your guys' second full day of camp? Pretty awesome? Yeah? How many of you guys are dead tired? Yeah? How many of you guys smashed more than three chur churros at dinner time? Any churro people? Any? Somebody ate 10 churros? Ladies, never get near that man. That is not the type of guy you want to date. Well, hey, friends, let's do this. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with you what, to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, over the last two and a half days. Shh, shh, I know you're excited, churro boy. Over the last two and a half days, we've been working through the New Testament book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter, and we've been looking at the lives of different heroes of the faith. And so far, we've looked at the life of Noah, we've looked at the life of Moses, we've looked at the life of Abraham, and this morning we looked at, the, or excuse me, this morning we looked at Moses, and we also looked at the life of Jacob. And so we've looked at four different characters so far uh, from the Old Testament book of Genesis. Now, let me ask you this question, and this is a hard question, so if you get it, I'm really impressed. It's going to be extra jewels in your crown in heaven. Here's the question. Of the four characters that we have looked so far during our time together, what is one thing that they all have in common? Now, do not blurt it out. Think about it. Raise your hand. What is one thing that all four of these characters have in common? What is it? They send? Yes, they did. Did you send? Yes, you do. But that's not it. Red shirt. They all follow God? Yes, but you're wrong. You guys are overthinking. You're being too spiritual. Being too churchy. Right here. Say it, say it loud. They had excuses. Still too spiritual. In the back. Yes. They all had faith. No. In the back. Yes. They all have weaknesses. Yes and no. They are all guys. <laughs> like the most basic truth about them. They're all dudes. Friends, every character we have looked at so far. Yeah. Hey. Okay, ladies, ladies, gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. You guys are all average looking at best. So you need to calm down, okay? You should not be that cocky. Let's give it up for the ladies. There it is. All right, all right, all right. We're brothers and sisters in Christ, and so we're going to mix it up tonight. Tonight, we are going to look at the very first woman in this series. Tonight, friends, I know. Okay, okay ladies, there you go, there you go. You got your moment. Tonight, friends, we are going to look at the life of Rahab. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, turn there. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 30. The author of Hebrews says this. He says, By faith, the wall of Jericho fell down after being marched around by the Israelites for seven days. Verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace and didn't perish with those who disobeyed. Friends, by faith, Rahab. Now, in just a moment, we're going to dive deep in, into Rahab's story. But before we do, I want to share with you something that I read online this past week. This past week, I was on this little website. You've probably heard it before. It's called Tweeter. Okay, you know that website? It's owned by a guy named Elon Musk. Twitter, okay? I was on Twitter. Check this out. And somebody asked this question on Twitter, and I ended up scrolling through the comments for like an hour. Someone asked the question, what is the most unique or silly nickname you have heard in your entire life? I want you to listen to some of these responses. One user whose username was Vegan Scholar. The Vegan Scholar said this. The Vegan Scholar said, One of my friend's school teachers named Brian had a glass eye. 
So they called him Bran. Get it? Brian without an I. There's one. It's kind of jacked up. Another gentleman, another, 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 another gentleman whose username was Who's Your Daddy? 814. He says this My real name, he said, My real name is Wayne Bruce. And so my entire life, I have been called Man Bat. <laughs> then another user, and I don't think you guys are going to get this one, but I, I liked it. It made me laugh. I'm going I'm to share it anyway. One user who, who simply went by Tootie. Tootie says this. She says, I work with a guy named Anthony. Anthony's short. He's right under five foot tall, and he's stocky. So we call him Shetland Tony. Get it? Like a Shetland pony, small little horse. Hey, show of hands. How many of you guys, when you were a kid, had a silly or dumb little nickname? Anybody? I'm a little curious now. Patrick, Patrick, stand up. Patrick, stand up. Patrick, when you were a child, when you were a child, what was your nickname? They called me LT They called you LT Gray? Okay, sit down. That's kind of weird. Okay, anybody else? Anybody have nicknames? Tyson. Tyson, stand up. Tyson, when you were less of a child than you are now, what did they call you? They called him the lady killer. Okay, because his looks just put him to death. There it is. Okay, let's do this. Anybody else? Eddie. Eddie, stand up. Eddie, when you were a little boy... Eddie, when you were, I don't know. Eddie, when you were a little boy, what did people call you? Pillsbury Doughboy. <laughs> were you like, were you pudgy? Yeah. He was a little round, okay? Don't worry, Eddie. Some, some girls like husky guys. It's fine. All right, let's do one more. Anybody else? Anybody else? All the way in the back. Ty, Ty, when you were a child, what did people call you? They called you Tigger? Okay, they called him Tigger. Friends, I'm sure, sh- 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 I'm sure when you guys were all little kids, you had some pretty stupid nicknames. I know I did. I'm going to tell you a couple of them. When I was just a little guy, I was what you would call heavy set. I was what you would call, yeah, big boned. I was husky. And so my sisters, because they loved me, they gave me the nickname Bubbles. Get it? Because I was round like a bubble. Yeah, that's right. And then in high school, actually in middle school, my mom, she gave me a different nickname. You see, when I was a kid, I was always very careful. I didn't, I didn't really want to get hurt. I didn't want to get, get, didn't want to get injured. And so she started calling me Captain Cautious. Now, in all honesty, I didn't really mind the nickname Captain Cautious until I was in high school. You see, what happened, I was in high school and I, and I went to a school called Stockdale High School and Stockdale High School had a wrestling team. I was on the wrestling team. We sucked, but I was on the team. And that night, it was a Tuesday evening. We had a duel against Bakersfield High School, which, you know, is the high school in Kern County for wrestling. And so I was walking out to the mat. We were at this duel, and I was about to face my rival, Chris Sanchez. He's out there. He's getting pumped. Everybody's trying to pump each other up. And all of a sudden, I hear my dear mother yell from the stands in a packed room, You got him, Captain Cautious! (laughs) Friends, I will tell you this. I have never been less pumped for a wrestling duel in my life. And I lost. So, you know, there's that. I will tell you this, though, friends. To this day, I have not outlived that nickname. My mom, to this day, I'm a 27-year-old man. She still refers to me as Captain Cautious. To my mother, I will always be that little boy who is afraid to get injured. You know, sometimes, friends, we never outgrow our nicknames. And you know what character in the Bible never outgrew their nickname? It was Rahab. 
You see, friends, almost every single time Rahab is mentioned in Scripture, she is not simply referenced as Rahab. Instead, she's called what? Rahab the... Every single time she's mentioned in Scripture, she is remembered as a woman who engaged in promiscuous living. Friends, almost every time she's mentioned in Scripture, she is remembered as a woman who slept with people for money. But in Hebrews chapter 11, Rahab is remembered for much more. Not only is Rahab remembered for her past, but Rahab is also remembered as a woman of immense faith who God, by his grace, saved. Friends, listen again to how Rahab is described. Hebrews 11, verse 31. By faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace. She was a woman of faith. Now, real quickly, let me run you through Rahab's story. Rahab was likely born, and we know she was raised in a city called... Jericho. Now, a couple things you need to know about the city of Jericho. One, you need to know that the city of Jericho was an incredibly big city in the ancient world. Now, archaeologists, they've uncovered the ruins of Jericho, at least they think they have, and they estimate that there could have been upwards to 80,000 to 200,000 people who lived within the city walls. Jericho was a very big city. It was a very important city because Jericho was a essentially a trade center. People would go to Jericho to trade and to do business, which meant that people were always coming and going. Which, if you were a prostitute, that was a pretty good business model. Right? Think about it like this. Because Rahab lived in Jericho, she always had new customers. In fact, Joshua chapter 2 tells us that Rahab's home, her, her house, was on the outskirts. It was on the outside city wall, which meant that right when you went into Jericho, you could stop by Rahab's place and fulfill any pleasure your heart could desire. Friends, Rahab... Rahab, Rahab, Rahab was an incredibly promiscuous woman. But we need to be honest here. When Rahab was a little girl, when she was growing up in Jericho, when she was running around with her friends in the streets playing kickball or playing tag, whatever they played, when she was just a little itty-bitty girl, do you think she wanted to be a prostitute? No. You know, right after my wife Hannah and I got married, we made the mistake of teaching a kindergarten Sunday school class. And I learned very quickly that a kindergarten Sunday school class is like purgatory, right? It's like, it's like almost hell on earth. The kids are like little chihuahuas running around biting each other, hitting you. It's awful. But we taught this kindergarten Sunday school class. And one of my favorite things to do anytime a, anytime a new kid would come into the class is I would ask them this question. I would say, hey, Sally. Hey, Jimmy. What do you want to be when you grow up? Now, friends, when I would ask kids that question, they would most of the time respond in all the typical ways. They would say things like, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a teacher. Oh, when I grow up, I want to be a firefighter. When I grow up, I want to be a policeman. When I grow up, I want to be an astronaut. And then that would be that weird kid. You know that weird kid? And he'd be like, when I grow up, I'm going to be a Tyrannosaurus Rex. You know, and you're like, oh, man. Friends, I have probably asked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of different kids that question. But you know what has never happened? What has never happened? When I asked that question to a little girl, she has never once, no girl ever has looked at me and says, when I grow older, I want to sell my body for money. When I grow over, I want to be a prostitute. Friends, I've been a pastor now for five years, and in the five years that I've been a pastor, I have had the privilege to minister to women like Rahab. 
I have had the privilege to help minister to prostitutes. And let me tell you this, every single prostitute I've met, I've talked with them, I've spoken with them, I have yet to meet one who loves what they're doing. In fact, if you ask them, I have, and I've asked them, hey, how did you get here? Most of the time they'll say things like, well, I didn't think I had any other choice. Friends, when you ask them, hey, how did you get here? Sometimes they'll say, well, you know, addiction got me here. Drugs got me here. I remember one time I asked a lady, how did you end up on the streets? And she said, my boyfriend, he made me. Friends, here's the point I'm trying to get across. We do not know the entirety of Rahab's story. We don't necessarily know anything about her upbringing. We don't know what her parents were like. The Bible doesn't even tell us what her appearance was. But I do not believe it's reaching to say that Rahab had a rough life. I do not believe it's reaching to say that at points in her life, Rahab was used. I don't think it's reaching to say that maybe as a little girl, Rahab was abused. Friends, I do not think it's reaching to say tonight that Rahab was a woman who felt lonely. She felt like an outcast. She felt broken and without hope. But friends, here's my question to you tonight. What does God give broken people? He gives broken people hope. And that's exactly what he did for Rahab. You see, for Rahab, her hope came in the form of these two Jewish spies. This is what's referenced in Hebrews 11, verse 8, when it says that by faith, Rahab the prostitute welcomed the spies in peace. You see, friends, in Joshua chapter 2, the nation of Israel, they were preparing to ransack the city of Jericho. But before they made their big final assault, Joshua, who was the leader of Israel at the time, he sent these two spies to scout out the city. These two spies, for some reason, they end up in Rahab's home. We're not entirely sure why. But we do know that when they entered Rahab's home, the city officials found out. And so the city officials, they came to Rahab's door. They began to beat on the door. And they said, Rahab, Rahab, Rahab. We know the Jews are in there. We know the spies are in there. Send them out. Now, friends, you would think that Rahab, being this lifelong member of the city of Jericho, would submit to her authorities. But what does Rahab do? Friends, she lies to the officials. She hides the spies. She chose to betray her people. She chose to betray people she grew up with for these two Jewish dudes she just met. Now, why the heck would Rahab do that? Well, Rahab tells us why. Listen to this. This is Joshua chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Rahab the prostitute, she says this to the spies. She says, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that the terror of you has fallen on us and everyone who lives in the land is panicking because of you. Verse 10, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And we have heard what he did to Sion and Og, the two Amorite kings you completely destroyed across the Jordan. Verse 11, when we heard this, we lost heart, we lost hope, and everyone's courage failed them because of you. And then friends, listen to this. Listen to Rahab's final proclamation. She says, for the Lord your God, for the Lord your God is God in heaven on earth and heaven below. Friends, essentially what happened in the life of Rahab is she heard about all the great things that God had done. She heard about how God had parted the Red Sea for the Israelites. She heard how God had annihilated other foreign kings and other foreign powers. Friends, she heard of the great power of God. She heard about the great might of God. She heard about the great love of God, and Rahab believed. Friends, Rahab, like Abraham, like Moses, like Jacob, like Noah, Rahab had faith. 
the Bible tells us, friends, that faith comes by what? Faith comes by hearing. Friends, Rahab heard and she believed. Rahab heard and she had faith. And it was her faith. It was her faith that saved her from God's wrath. You see, friends, as the story in Joshua continues, the nation of Israel, they did come to Jericho. The nation of Israel, they came to Jericho and they laid waste to the land. And guess who was spared? It was Rahab. Friends, because Rahab had faith, she was spared from God's wrath. Because Rahab had faith, she was spared from God's punishment. But friends, not only that, but Rahab, this prostitute, she was given a new and a better life. You know, honestly, friends, this is my favorite part of the story. Because do you know what happens to Rahab after the city walls of Jericho fall? What happens to Rahab after the city she grew up in, the city she loved? What happens to her? Well, friends, the Bible tells us that Rahab lived amongst the Israelites for all the days of her life. And not only that, friends, but the Bible tells us that she fell in love with a man named Solomon. And together they started a family. And the very first child they had was a little baby boy named Boaz. Now, friends, that's a pretty sweet turn of events, isn't it? Rahab literally went from a prostitute who was loved by many men to being a mother who was loved by just one man. Friends, that is a great story. But man, it only gets better. You see, Rahab, Rahab and Solomon's son, Boaz, he would go on to marry a woman named what? Ruth. Boaz and Ruth would go on to have a child of their own named Obed. Obed would go on to father a son named Jesse. Jesse would go on to father a son named David. Friends, you keep going down Rahab's family tree and you know who you will eventually get to? You get to Jesus of Nazareth. Friends, oftentimes we refer to Jesus as the son of David. Since Jesus is the son of David, that makes him the grandbaby of Rahab. Rahab the prostitute is literally our Lord Jesus' great, 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 great grandmother. And I don't know about you guys, but to me, that is something beautiful. To me, it is beautiful that in Jesus' family tree, there's a prostitute. Because, friends, the fact that there is a prostitute in his family line reminds us that Jesus Christ did not come to save perfect people. No, friend, Jesus Christ came to save broken people. Jesus Christ came to save lost people. Jesus Christ came to save sinners like you and me. Friends, I want you to listen. Yeah, I want you to listen to what Jesus says in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. He says, the son of man, speaking of himself, he said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. In Luke chapter 5, verse 32, Jesus says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus says, a thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come. I have come so that you may have life and you may have it in abundance. Friends, abundant life, new life, eternal life is what Jesus Jesus Christ offers every single one of you. Friends, you need to know this. In the same way that God saved Rahab from the city of Jericho, God wants to save each and every single one of you. And friends, what he wants to save you from is your sin. Now, sin, really, when you get down to the definition of sin, sin, really, by definition, is anything that is displeasing to God. When you look at Rahab's life, the particular sin that she dealt with was that of adultery and fornication. 
Now, you may not struggle with adultery like Rahab the prostitute, but let me tell you something tonight, friends. You are just as guilty as she is. You are just as dirty as Rahab is. You are just as sinful as Rahab. Friends, we talked this morning about what God hates. We talked this morning about God's anger and God's wrath and how he hates sin. And let me tell you something, friends. He does hate sin. But do you know who God loves? He loves the sinner. Friends, God loves women like Rahab. God loves children like you. God loves men like me. Jesus of Nazareth is a God of love. And friends, that's exactly why he came. Friends, Jesus came into this world, the great grandbaby of Rahab. He came into this world, the true, eternal, begotten son of God. He lived a perfect and sinless and obedient life. And then he was crucified upon a tree at Calvary. And friends, it was at that tree that he took the wrath of God that you and I so desperately deserve. He took the payment for our sin. He died a brutal death on that cross to save you. He died a brutal death on that cross to save me. But friends, but friends, the story's not over. Because Jesus Christ of Nazareth did not stay dead. No, the scripture is very clear that he beat death. And friends, because Jesus beat death, because he beat sin, he now has the authority tonight to forgive you of your sin. Friends, what you need to understand tonight is that all of you, all of you, all of you have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And the Bible tells us that the wages for our sin is death, but the gifts of God is eternal life. Now, friends, what we're going to do tonight, thank you. What we're going to do tonight is very simple. The band, they're going to come and play. And they're going to lead us in one last song. And we're going to have a time of invitation. And friends, we call it an invitation because we are going to invite you to get right with the God of the Bible. Friends, we talked today about Moses, how God was calling him, and he made up excuses. Friends, if you've been making up excuses, if you've been making up excuses not to follow Jesus, I urge you tonight to repent of your sin and trust in Jesus as Lord. Friends, if you know that you are a sinner, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Friends, I know tonight that there are people here that need some saving, and so we want to get you saved. Friends, leaders are going to come forward. Counselors are going to come forward. We want you to come forward. And so let's do, friends. Let's pray. We'll stand and worship. And if you want to receive Jesus in your heart, if you want to be forgiven of your sin tonight, you come. It might get a little bit crowded. We'll make room. But you come. Get right with the God of the Bible today. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you that you are a God of second, third, fourth, fifth chances. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who could forgive a woman like Rahab. Lord, I thank you that you are God who can forgive a man like me. Lord, right now I know there are children in this room, young men, young women who are far from you. Lord, your word tells us that no one comes to God unless the Spirit draws them. And so, Lord, we ask that you would draw someone to you. Lord, we ask that you would give them the courage to push to the crowd and to come and meet you today. We love you, Jesus. We pray you be blessed in the rest of our evening together. And all God's people said,